Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Thursday, Thursday, Wednesday. I almost forgot what day it was. Wednesday, folks. My goodness. This week is flying by, but it's also going quite slow. I think it's the Memorial Day weekend that's throwing me off. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. Today, we're going to be digging into a topic we haven't really discussed here um, much recently on The Brian Nichols Show, and uh, one we're going to be talking about sex work, uh, specifically looking at that was taking place in South Africa with our guests today. But before we get there, I want to go ahead and uh, shout out our awesome sponsor for today's episode, the Expat Money Summit 2022. You can head over to briannicholsshow.com forward slash expat and sign up for this, yes, free virtual summit, November 7th through November 11th, five days 30 expert speakers watch for a week. Reap the benefits for generations. Grab your free tickets at briannicholshow.com forward slash expat. All right, so going back to the topic at hand, sex work. Joining us today, Professor India Tusi. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, now, I, I must say, I really got to give you props because you're joining us today all the way from Sweden. Now, usually you're in Indiana, my uh, state that I hail from, but you're overseas today and uh, you're taking some time to join us. So thank you, uh, India, for joining us on the program. How are you? And uh, I guess let's do a quick introduction to uh, India Tusi to the Brian Nichols Show audience. Yes. Th- thanks for having me again. Um, it's actually 11 p.m. out here. <laughs> But I'm still really excited <laughs> for our conversation and, and still wanted to go forward with it. Um, I'm India Tusi, as you mentioned. I'm a professor of law at Indiana University Mauer School of Law in Bloomington. I'm also a senior scientist for the Kinsey Institute for Sex Research. And you wrote a uh, recently a new book, and that's why we wanted to have you on the show today. And uh, I'm going to pull it up here for the audience to see. It is, come on, there we go. Policing Bodies, Law, Sex Work, and Desire in is Johannesburg, correct? Yes, that's the Afrikaans um, pronunciation, Johannesburg, yes. I, I, I um, yeah, got so it right. I, How about that? So talk to us. What inspired this book? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I um, wrote a book about the policing of sex work in Johannesburg, and I chose this topic because I was really interested in looking at the ways that different uh, forms of conduct are being regulated and to see you know, what the appropriate approach to um, sex work in particular would be. And it, it was interesting because I went into the research not necessarily having a particular agenda or thoughts about whether it should be decriminalized or criminalized or regulated, but after I saw how it was being policed and some of the weaknesses of having um, criminalization of sex work, I've come out in favor of decriminalization. And let's talk about what you experienced in South Africa, because one of the things, I think it's it's very tough for us here in the United States to get the context of sex work because it's not as prevalent as we would think, you know, in, especially in other societies. So what is the, the premise behind sex work? Why do we see it pop up, especially in a lot of, I would say, underdeveloped uh, countries. And what is it that we're seeing be the the issue with regards to the policing? Because it seems, and you mentioned this in the uh, the book, that there has been a little inconsistency in the way that the police have dealt with this issue of sex work. 
Yes. You know, sex work, you find sex work that may occur in certain contexts in developing countries where people are really trying to make ends meet. You also see sex work in the United States. And what's interesting that um, is similar both in the United States as well as um, what I saw in South Africa was that initially sex work wasn't criminalized. That in fact, it was the aspects of it that had a public nature. So for example, loitering, um, that was um, regulated in the laws in the United States and in South Africa. And it was only around the early 1900s or so and uh, going into the mid-1900s that you see states and the country of South Africa um, deciding to criminalize um, prostitution. And you know there have been some issues that come with that because there's all these resources that end up being spent on trying to criminalize a crime that actually results in really few convictions. And and talk to us in terms of what sex work does uh, from a societal moral standpoint, right? Because I think this would be the, the biggest argument you likely would hear with regards to sex work um, from the moral fabric, right? The moral the moral fabric of the country would be ripped apart if uh, you legalize sex work. And, and namely because I think there has been for a long time an association with sex and and with that almost the uh, the religious aspect of that going into relationships that go into uh, the, the monogamous relationships we see here in America today that we're, we're familiar with so could you talk to maybe the, the difference in the, the cultural aspects of sex work in other in other cultures sure you know what what's interesting is that um, the the people that you found really pushing for criminalization of sex work were actually feminists and feminists who were trying to protect the moral fabric of society. And they argued if you allow for, you know, men in particular to engage in sex work or to have these prostitution transactions, we're going to have a really immoral society. It's going to impact um, children. It's going to impact, you know, their wives and their marriages. And so you find this major push for the criminalization of sex work around the Victorian period and the progressive era in the United States. Now, the problem is that no country, no society has been able to actually uh, efficiently and sufficiently regulate sex work. So even when you have it criminalized, what you have is a lot of resources being spent on the policing of it, the criminalization of it, but you have people being released because it's really hard, maybe close to impossible, to actually prove that someone was engaging in prostitution. So it ends up being this really wasteful crime that's being... Um, you know, adopted supposedly to protect our, you know, morality as a society, but just is really ineffective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and one thing I think we can all kind of go back to, like a really contemporary story. It was in the news for, I felt like a, a millisecond, and then in just the way that the world is nowadays, everything is in the news for a millisecond. But it was the owner of the New England Patriots, Robert Kraft. He was, uh, I think it was back last Super Bowl or two Super Bowls ago, it was around that time, there was a big uh, case that was going on where he was uh, accused of engaging in sex acts with, I think it was Asian massage therapists, and uh, it was a whole big scandal. Um, you know, the, the NFL was looking into it. I think the FBI may have been looking into it. So, you, to your point, you see that there is so much, and, and I think the only word to use is wasted time, energy, effort, resources in... And really, an act that's taking place behind closed doors. And I mean, if we're going to get really to like the, you know, the, the the very very minute discrepancies between what is considered legal and what's not considered legal, I mean, 
porn is a, a, a legal uh, product. I can call it a product, I guess. Um, but you all you do is just add a video camera, right? And then that turns it into something that makes it legal uh, versus not having the video camera. And you can see that there is there is almost like the societal acceptance of sex work. And yet the, the laws don't reflect that. So what's what's the disparity? Why is there such a a lag between what you see in the I guess the, the culture, right? And then what the law is actually uh, in place. You know, I I think this is just an example where the law is behind society because as you mentioned, there actually is a greater acceptance of decriminalization of sex work. Most Americans support decriminalization. But the laws don't reflect that. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the Robert Kraft situation. And then that was really interesting because at first there were these accusations that he was engaging in sex trafficking and these were sex trafficking victims. But once there was additional evidence put forth, what we found was just ordinary um, alleged prostitution transactions. Right. And all these resources that went into this investigation, all these false claims he ended up having his charges dropped and, you know, there was nothing that really came out of that, you know? And so just all these resources devoted to this, um, this act that most people in the United States don't even think should be a crime. Most people, even in the context of South Africa, don't think it should be a crime, but we're expending all these police resources, investigations, and, you know, we're not even getting convictions out of it. So it's, it's just really a wasteful um, situation. I'm, I'm glad you brought it back to South Africa because I wanted to go that route with the second part of the conversation here because you talk about in the book uh, a story with a young police officer named Zolo. Would you be uh, willing to share that story with us? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I did research with the police officers in a police department in Johannesburg, um, South Africa. And there was this one officer who I met who was, you know, very macho and protective over me as I was speaking to him. And I asked him this question about, you know, whether he thought that, you know, sex work, whether prostitution should be legalized. And his response to me was that it is legalized mostly. Right. And so that was just a really interesting response because it showed how on the one hand, maybe technically in South Africa, prostitution is criminal, but there is this tolerance of this and this recognition that you're not actually going to be able to get convictions and really successfully, you know, eradicate prostitution. So there is this acknowledgement that yes, it's mostly legalized, although we have to police it. Right. And so for me, that just illustrates a situation where we have conduct that is kind of accepted or at least acknowledged that, you know, there's no way to completely eradicate. Yet we have all these this waste that we're devoting to it, and it's just really problematic. So let's let's go ahead and talk about the impact of the the policing on sex workers, because I think sometimes the stories we don't hear, right? We will hear the stories of the NFL owner like Robert Kraft, but you won't hear the story of the sex worker. So let's talk about what that impact has been. And, and let's look at the, the book, obviously, and what you were experiencing as you were going through your two years in South Africa. What are some of the stories you heard when you're, you're speaking to sex workers in, in regards to having to toe this line between a really kind of weird gray area between legality and illegality of prostitution or sex work? It created um, a lot of vulnerability 
they're in a situation where they're constantly negotiating their relationship with police. Sometimes it was just at the whim of police, whether they'd be able to you know, engage in the work that they were choosing for that evening. Um, and so it, it created a situation where they were really vulnerable. So there were these moments where the police officers there would target the clients of sex workers as opposed to sex workers, arrest them and solicit bribes from them. And when they would do this, it actually resulted in more risky and violent situations for the sex workers. Because although they were only targeting their clients, the, the sex workers weren't able to properly screen clients because they're also hiding from the police at that time. Mm. They weren't able to determine whether this was a violent person or to confer with each other and warn each other about certain clients. So it just resulted in a, a lot of violence actually during that period of time when I was out on the field. And so, you know, I think by spending, you know, all these, all these, you know, again, these resources in like criminalization and police and sex work, you actually are creating more harm for sex workers and you're not being successful at eradicating sex work. So for me, it's, it's a policy that simply just doesn't make sense. And, you know, while there are these strong moralistic motivations for why we should, you know, regulate people's private behaviors here, they're just ineffective, right? The policy just doesn't work. Yeah, it, it's it's always a fine line between getting the policy in place and then actually getting it to be effective in terms of being sound, logical policy and getting the desire, desired outcomes. Now, uh, the audience here on my program, we're much more overtly, I guess, empathetic to the overtly non-government policies, prescriptions, wherever we can try to make things better outside of government, we're going to do our darndest. But then to the uh, the point, there are certain things that unfortunately government has in, in there will be others who will say, well, fortunately, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but there are those um, where the government has stepped in and it has made things illegal, right? It, may, it has made certain acts um, really a, a crime to just go ahead and, and take part in, as we talked about earlier, any other time would be a normal consensual act between two adults. So let's make the middle ground. And, and I know that sounds like a weird kind of, uh, you know, half pregnant kind of situation, but to the point of the program and, and the way we really approach things here in the show is we try to not win arguments, we try to win hearts and minds. And we use the methods of sales and marketing that I've taken from the private sector and we're bringing it to a lot of the issues we see. And right now I see a market of people who we talked about earlier who are kind of already on board with this. They're just not really talking about it. And then there are those who are adamantly against it. So let's talk to right now those who are adamantly against it. What would be the stepping stones to get to maybe some middle ground, some common ground. I'm not sure what that would look like, but what would you see as an advocate for this space as being maybe a way to start engaging with those individuals who will be putting up the uh, the defenses from the onset? Sure. Um, for people who are adamantly against it, I guess I would really focus on providing them the evidence about the violence that occurs when you have criminalization of sex work, right? And you place sex workers in a situation where they're more vulnerable, they're more exposed to, um, you know, police corruption. There's a lot of evidence of that, both in the United States and in South Africa, and they're more susceptible to violence by their clients as well. And it's just not been successful at um, eradicating sex work, that even when you have criminalization, you continue to have prostitution. And so I think, you know, focusing on policies that are actually effective would be a better strategy, given this violence that we see occurring. 
because often people who are concerned with um, criminalization or decriminalization, that is, of sex work, are concerned that somehow it may lead to sex trafficking or create more violence. And there's a lot of evidence that shows that actually that's not the case, that it would allow sex workers to be more empowered and be able to contribute more to society. And then for you know people who aren't sure or who are kind of you know in the middle or just not focused on the issue, I think one thing that would motivate a lot of people is just really understanding the amount of money that we spend on policing and criminalization of prostitution. In many police departments, the vice unit is a unit that ends up spending a substantial amount of resources because of the patrolling, because of the arrests that occur. At the same time, there's a low conviction rate. So it ends up being really wasteful and those monies can be used elsewhere in a city budget. And I think that's something that you know would be really persuasive for a lot of people because I think people who don't focus on this issue might not realize just how wasteful the policing criminalization of prostitution actually is. So where do you see this conversation heading in the future, right? And I, I ask that because right now we have, if we're looking in the United States uh, for, for our world, right, um, you, you look at, we have a Democrat president, you have a Democratic-controlled Congress, uh, likely 2022, you're going to see that uh, switch in the, the Congress to uh, the, the Republican Party. 2024, if, if Biden's approval ratings continue the way they are, likely that turns right as well. So that would be, if you were to go more into the conservative, uh, progressive conversation, a much more conservative-leaning governing body. So is it looking good for sex workers here in, in America going forward, or will the culture continue forward, government be damned? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to say. There seems to be some movement and advocacy occurring, I would say, um, a couple of years ago where there was some momentum around decriminalization of sex work. Um, I think we might see some stuff in certain localities. Um, I think, you know, in New York City, for example, there was a lot of um, support at a certain point toward uh, for decriminalization. So what we might see is certain cities where people get organized and focus on this issue, that there may be some movement around decriminalization. In terms of, you know, what's happening in society as a culture, I think you know, it's just going to be continued progress. The real question is, you know, whether what society feels and society's um, views about these issues uh, matches what government does. And, you know, what we're seeing increasingly is this gap between, you know, what the laws are saying and what, what the people want. And, you know, this real question about how do we address that and make it so, you know, our government is uh, operating in a way that's more democratic and really reflecting you know, our values and beliefs. Yeah, well, I think you started to uh, to mention the the possible solution there. Federalism, it was inherently built into the Constitution. I think it was brilliant in its application because it does give us the opportunity to correct the wrongs where the federal government maybe oversteps or is not taking action or, dare we say, they're overstepping their bounds in many team, uh, cases as well. So that might be the, the option to, to take moving forward. So yes, localities, cities looking at you. And with that, if you're in uh, local governance, please take uh, take action. If this is something that your, your community is talking about and you want to go ahead and uh, lead the charge, well, I'm sure we could go ahead and point, uh, point you folks uh, towards uh, yes, in fact, India too. See, she can go ahead and, and make sure she educates you on terms of what uh, she's experienced with her book. And we talked about it here. Uh, and I'm going to add to here the stream for folks to see it on the YouTube, Policing Bodies Law, Sex Work and Desire in Johannesburg. Now, 
for folks who are interested, India, in going ahead and purchasing uh, this this copy of this book, Policing Bodies, where can they go ahead and do that? Sure. You, know, you can purchase a copy of the book, Policing Bodies, at your preferred bookseller. So it's available at all major booksellers. Um, and you can also um, purchase it directly from the publisher of Stanford University Press on their website. Um, it's available for purchase there. Perfect. So what we'll do, folks, is we'll make sure we include all those links here in the show notes. Uh, for you YouTube watcher, all you have to do is, uh, well, number one, of course, make sure you've, you've subscribed to the program. But number two, we'll include that here in the description. And uh, for you audio listener, just click the Brian Nichols Show artwork. It'll bring you to briannicholsshow.com where you can find today's episode, all the links. And uh, also, we'll go ahead and give you the entire transcription of today's episode. India, final thoughts for the audience. Uh, please go ahead and share that with folks from very, very late night Sweden. Yes. Um, well, thanks again for having me on the show. Um, I hope everyone gets you know, more information about, you know, policing of sex work and criminalization from the book and from this conversation. And I think, you know, it's just an example of you know, ways that government isn't working the way that it should be working. But there's potential for us to, you know, be be what we want to be and actually um, live our lives you know, free from intrusion in, in this area, which is our bedrooms. Well, I think the audience uh, here at The Brian Eagle Show, they hear that and they say, yeah, that sounds about right. So, folks, if you want to go ahead and learn more, well, please go ahead, yes, back to the show notes and check out your copy of Policing Bodies today. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off. You're on The Brian Nichols Show for India Tusi. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to The Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific need. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today.